Ready? Our evening began in Peter Seychelles' comfortable study in his New York townhouse. Everybody, and how do you do? My name is Jim Shear, and welcome to the official, unofficial Beastie Boys podcast known as the Brew Ha Ha. On today's episode, I've got a blast from the past. Mr. Brian Terry, former MTV producer, and yes, he did indeed work on that MTV special back in the day, Live to the Five Burrows. And I haven't talked with Brian in years. I don't even know what he's doing. I'm assuming he is still producing some type of visual content because that was his specialty. So uh, Brian got a hold of me and he, he wanted to be on the brouhaha. And we're going to do a double header today. We are going to talk about the most underrated Beastie Boys songs. And then we're going to talk about our favorite Beastie Boys t-shirt designs. But before we get to all of that... It is time for the scoop. Never believe it, y'all. It's a Better believe it, y'all. And I got a big old chunky scoop today, but first, a correction. On our Hello Nasty 20th anniversary special, I said that I was looking at the liner notes and I realized that Triple Trouble sampled Oye Como Va from Tito Puentes. And I said, I, I don't hear it, man. I don't, I don't know if I played them both, but then I, on my computer, I listened to the original and I thought, no, I don't hear it. But when Hello Nasty officially turned 20, uh, there were a whole bunch of blurbs and little stories that circulated around the internet. And I discovered that Triple Trouble does indeed sample Oye Como Va. Not the original, but the... Amaral's Trinidad Cavaliers Steel Orchestra version, and I have that for you right now. It all makes sense. Why did I play the original? I had to go back to the Amaral's Trinidad Cavaliers Steel Orchestra version. How come that's not in the liner notes? Well, I guess they owe credit to Tito Puentes, so the Beastie Boys just took it to the original source. So, uh, sorry. Sorry for that, um, that oversight. Jeez, oh man. What is going on in Beastie Universe? A lot has happened since the last episode of the Brouhaha. I got to see Mike D do a DJ set in Brooklyn back in June. He announced it on a Thursday night, which was odd. He was over in Europe doing festival dates, so maybe he wanted to do a stopover in New York City. So it was announced on Thursday. It happened on a Friday night at the Well in Brooklyn. Uh, Not a lot of people went. But in hindsight, it makes perfectly good sense. One day's notice... World Cup was going on, it was Father's Day weekend, and the Beastie Boys demo is 40 and 50-year-old guys, 
So we have our summer weekends planned weeks in advance. But I had a good time. Uh, If you've never seen Mike D DJ live, it's him and his DJ, Jason Steingold. Jason is behind the turntables, and then Mike D has a mic, a drum machine, and some effects pads. And my biggest critique of the show was that Mike doesn't engage with the crowd a lot. For a majority of his set, he was discussing his shot selection with Jason Steingold. Because I, I am a beastie nut, I just wanted more beastie interaction. But you know what? We did get seven Beastie Boy songs, and it's always special hearing a Beastie Boy rhyme a Beastie Boy song live. We got So What You Want, Too Many Rappers, Brass Monkey, Sure Shot, The New Style, the set closed with Intergalactic, and then Mike came out on stage and did an encore. He did get it together. Yes. The Lost Classic. Is it an underrated Beastie Boys song? We can talk about that later. And because I am an antagonist, uh, because maybe I wanted some more Beastie interaction, uh, during Intergalactic, I held up a homemade sign that read, Sing Nettie's Girl. Because I thought, you know, Mike's going to have a mic. Why not sing a few bars of Nettie's Girl? And then some people in the audience saw the sign And then at the end of the show, we all started chanting, Nettie's girl, Nettie's girl. So Mike comes out on stage. He does get it together. He couldn't ignore the sign. He saw it. Trust me, he saw it. And then at the end of the set, reluctantly, he got on the mic and he sang, Hey there. And then he was gone. But I got to see Mike D in Brooklyn perform Beastie Boys songs. And uh, the set had a few lulls. And DJ sets are odd because the right song has to hit at the right time. And you know that the two songs that hit perfectly on that night, that, that got the crowd into a tizzy, bad, from LL Cool J, it just hit at the right time, and Scenario from A Tribe Called Quest. And some of you may argue that there's never a wrong time for Scenario. And speaking of a tribe called Quest. Uh, Not too long ago, I ran into their DJ, Ali Shaheed Muhammad. I was telling him about Mike D's DJ set, and he told me that back in 2013, a tribe called Quest was playing Madison Square Garden, and they wanted to bring out Mike and Adam to perform with them. And Mike and Adam said no. They said, we just can't do it, man. I'm sorry. We, We can't get up there on that stage. We can't get on the microphone. So Ali said that when he saw Mike on the mic at this DJ gig, he looked free. And maybe that's why Mike's doing it. He does the DJ gigs. He he does the Beats 1 radio show just as a a musical release. Because if you've been around it your whole life and all of a sudden you stop, it's not natural, man. You got to do it. So I love that Mike is back on the mic. And not only does he do it at his DJ gigs, but he also does it on his Beats 1 radio show, The Echo Chamber, which recently celebrated its 50th episode by celebrating the 20th anniversary of Hello Nasty. And leading up to that episode, to me, it almost felt like an album release. 
got so excited. I thought Mixmaster Mike's going to be there, Mario C, the diabolical Bismarcky, and it felt like a, a very unbeastie boys thing to do to take a step back and celebrate one of their albums. Yeah. So if you have a Apple Music subscription, you can listen to this anytime. And if you don't, you can find your way around the internet. I know some people who know some people. And to coincide with the 20th anniversary of Hello Nasty, uh, the Beastie Boys have released some Hello Nasty era songs on various streaming services. And they've also got some new Hello Nasty gear, which you can check out at their website, BeastieBoys.com. So what else is going on in the, the world of the Beastie Boys? Money Mark, did you see his new commercial with Roger Federer? It's a, a Wilson commercial. They're out in the desert, and Money Mark is making sounds with tennis equipment, and then he starts playing his keyboard, and the, the sounds turn into a proper song. And the... The headline, well, not the headline, but the the title of the video reads DJ Money Mark. So is he a DJ now? I don't know. But he is in the the Wilson commercial. If you follow Glenn E. Friedman on social media, you will know that Glenn is preparing a Beastie Boys Run DMC photo book. And uh, I guess apparently he made a deal with the Beastie Boys that he was going to release his book six months after the Beastie Boys released theirs. The Beastie Boys book is coming out in October, so six months after that is uh, spring 2019. So I'm assuming uh, sometime around then we'll get the new Glennie Friedman picture book of the Beastie Boys and Run DMC. I had a bunch of those in my dorm room and my bedroom, the uh, Together Forever era. My question is, are there any after the 1980s that Glenn did? I guess we'll find out. And last, but certainly not least, Oscilloscope Laboratories has launched the house that Yauk built. If you go online right now, you can take a virtual tour through Oscilloscope Laboratories. Have I been through the whole place yet? Not yet. I'm taking it slowly. I'm enjoying my virtual tour through Oscope. I've been in the live room. I've been in the control room. I think I was in the studio kitchen. I've lingered in the hallways. And I am honored that I got to take part in this project because years ago, and you can read about this in the house that Yauk built. Well, I think it's in the edit room. But years ago, I did a segment with the, the Beastie Boys on MTV2, and I presented them with these little cardboard cutouts of themselves. And I couldn't tell if they liked them or not. And I thought, well, these, these are going to get tossed after the segment. And then either late last year or early this year, someone from Oscope got in touch with me, and they said, did, did you do these? And I said, yeah, that was like 14 years ago. And they said, could you do a little write-up on these? And I said, sure, absolutely. So uh, who knew that my, my little cardboard cutouts that I presented the Beastie Boys at the Voodoo Fest in New Orleans not only survived that weekend, but made the trip back to New York City and rest inside the edit room at Oscilloscope Laboratories. So whenever you have the time, check out 
the house that Yauk built, a virtual tour through oscilloscope laboratories. And then finally, in this extra long edition of The Scoop, let me go to Facebook right now. Um, Everyone was giddy when it was the 20th anniversary of Hello Nasty, the Beastie Boys album anniversary that makes us all feel officially old. Thad McCulley, a teacher, by the way, celebrating another year of teaching, he posted on Facebook, I challenge Jim Shear or anyone else in this group that can pull off hardcore to redo Song for the Man. The intensity of the lyrics, however, suggest Man could have very well been a hardcore track in a previous incarnation. Song for the Man is an angry song packaged in a slow, circusy, psychedelic groove. And then Jeremy Shatton replied, Is it time to reunite Professor Booty in the Shore Shots? And then Robert Wilson replied, If he decides to cover the whole album, I call Shotgun on I Don't Know. So Thad, I accepted your challenge. I don't have a lot of free time on my hands. Uh, But this afternoon, I did carve out some time for you. Here is my hardcore version of Song for the Man. There you go, a Professor Booty and the Sure Shots world exclusive. And that will do it for the scoop. We are going to take a break, and when we come back, I will chat with Brian Terry. And once again, it's a double header today on the Brouhaha. We are going to talk about the Beastie Boys' most underrated songs, and then later, we will talk about our favorite Beastie Boys t shirt designs. <laughs> We are back on the brouhaha, and now joining me, a blast from the past, Mr. Brian Terry. Hi, Brian. Yeah, right? It's it's sad to be old enough to be a blast from somebody's <laughs> past, but, but no, that's an accurate, it's an accurate description, so I'll, I'll take it and just smile. Because I think, technically, the last time we worked with each other was on Live to the Five Burrows. That, yes, that is that's true. 
Um, We've seen and, each and other. I think that was, I think that was one of the last things I actually ever wrote uh, for MTV. I sold some shows after that to MTV, but I think that was the last thing I ever wrote for MTV. Which now, pretty, what was what cool. was your official title on that show? I think I was I was the writer, maybe like writer slash producer, because often we would floor produce either you or if there are co-hosts or you know the mm-hmm. guests or whatever. Sometimes that would be the job, but usually what would happen in those days is you know a producer would get assigned, and it usually came through the record label. It was like, okay, we want to do something on MTV to promote the new Beastie Boy record, and so they're like, all right, let's give them a half hour special, and then the producer would usually come. I mean, there are a handful of us who wrote a bunch of shows for MTV, and in and, and my experience, you know, I started on TRL, so I knew the MTV, like, language very well. And so uh, after I stopped doing TRL and was available to write other shows, I think I was an easy hire just because, you know, people trusted my scripts because I had just done so many of them. And not only that, but you were a fan. Oh, yeah, of the Beasties? Yes! Oh, well, come on. I mean, that's... <laughs> That's, that's, uh, so the quick story is, is the whole reason I, I got into television was, was when I was in high school, Beastie Boys were coming to, to suburban Detroit where I grew up. And for some reason that year for the Lollapalooza in 94, they were doing four shows in our hometown, which was crazy. And, and I was like, all right, well, I got to meet them. I have to meet them. And I was like, well, maybe if I had a public access show, they would come on. And like it's a long, it's a long winding road, but it ended up it happening. And then from there, it was like, oh my gosh, this is a cool way to meet musicians and hang out and maybe go to see concerts for free. Is so wait, I never knew that on. they were on your yeah. public access show. Oh yeah, and do you have do you have video of that? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Is it on YouTube? Uh, I think I think a part of it might be on YouTube, and you, you have to understand like. I was totally, totally pulling this out of thin air. It wasn't, I mean, I had taken like a TV class in high school, but I had no real sense of what I was doing except the fact that I knew if I was going to interview the Beastie Boys, um, I wasn't, I wasn't going to let them beat me up, you know, and, and, and that's often what they would do in interviews. And so I was like, I'm just going to go off on a topic and, you know, throw them a curveball. And if they run with it, we could have some fun. And if not, It'll be quick and oh well. Well, what what was the curveball? So I just asked them, you know, because back then, obviously, it was it was all about basketball, and you know, they were they had the the, the hoop set up backstage, and they were, they had this you know ongoing sort of like joke with reporters that they were challenging everybody to play you know three on three with them and um, Lollapalooza. And so I just asked them like I, it was basically like a sports interview, you know. I was asking them like how the quest for the rings was going, and <laughs> and they fell right into it. And uh, it was it was fun, and then I don't know if I was like sneaking backstage after that, and they and they didn't care, or they would like help me get back there. But like for for the rest of the three other days that they were there, my friends and I would just like hang out, watching them play basketball and Billy Corgan dunking basketball. It was crazy. It was so surreal, right? So it wait, there, just, yeah, there are stories about Billy dunking. Did he actually dunk? Oh yeah, he's. He's, I think, a athletic guy, and I mean, I just saw that concert at FSG, and he is—he is something else. God bless him. But uh, anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> but no, he could dunk, and like the best thing about the Beastie 
boys, at least in 1994, was like, <laughs> they weren't that good at basketball. And now, granted, like, I was there, my friends and I played basketball, you know, a couple of my friends were on the high school basketball team, so they were like, you know, pretty good, and they weren't, and it was, yeah, it was kind of, dare I say, adorable. <laughs> so what was the name of your show? Well, because I was destined to, to live a life of creativity, the first one was called Lollapalooza 94. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is public access, and I literally I was just like piecing this thing together. I uh, had no real idea. Um, but then, yeah, I, I would do similar things in college, and, you know, they, had, they all had dumb names, and, uh, yeah, so that was sort of that. So before Live to the Five Burrows, did you ever run into the Beastie Boys again? Yeah, so I came to New York City in 1997 before my senior year in college, and I had an internship with The Daily Show, and this is, like, before Jon Stewart. This is, like, original Craig Kilborn Daily Show. And the reason I got that internship, I think, is because, like, no one else wanted it. Like, I applied for Conan, didn't get it. Letterman didn't get it. Sports Center didn't get it. And when I applied for Kilborn, they're like, Are you, do you have the right number? I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I know the show. I want to do this. So, But the thing was, and it was probably some labor law, I could only work there because I was doing it for free for, like, three days a week. Mm-hmm. And so and so, Steve Martin from Nasty Little Man um, I, I had always stayed in touch with him through college, doing college radio, things like that, having my, my little college short or whatever. So I'd always stayed in touch with Steve, and I knew their address. So one day I just showed up at the, that, those offices and knocked on the door. I was like, hey, I'm here. Uh, remember me? Uh, you know, I have, I have a couple days a week where I could, I could intern for the summer. And they're like, yeah, sure, cool. Go for it. So I actually interned at Nasty that summer, and, and you'd see them once in a while, especially because it's that Freedom concert and things like that, um, which was, it was always surreal. Like, you know, you work at MTV, I've seen, you know, you see whatever, the Justins and Britneys a million times, and it's whatever, but like every time I'd see BC Boys, it was just always just like, there there they are, that's that's something different. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were anyway. at, when you were at Nasty Little Man, did you ever see the Beastie Boys there? Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, because at that point it was the office was on Spring Street, and I know, I don't know if they were living there full time. I think so. That ninety seven, I think they were back living there full time. But uh, I know Yauk lived around the corner. So it, you know, you'd see it go in waves where they'd have different reasons for just like stopping by the office or whatever. But um, it was it was surreal the people that would like weave in and out of that place. You might have been in there when they changed the album title to Hello Nasty. You never um, know. I mean, that is how we used to have to answer the phones. I, I remember. I mean, as an intern, that was like one of the things that you would always do is answer the phones and, and uh, you know, work the reception desk when when you had to or whatever, and that's how you answered the phone. And so I remember when I heard that's what the album was going to be called, I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. That's just surreal, but also very, very cool. So let's go back to Live to the Five Boroughs. And by the way, we, we weren't even supposed to talk about this. We're, we're scheduled to talk about most underrated Beastie Boy songs and favorite Beastie Boys t-shirt designs. But since you're on yeah. the phone, we might as well do this. So you're writing Live to the Five Burrows. Did you come up with the, the game show concept? 
I don't think, I don't know if we, I don't think so, because I don't think that would have been my, <laughs> I don't know that would have been my choice, but I, I think I probably came in when, like, maybe some of those decisions where I just came in and had to fill in the blanks. So it was like, okay, if this is what, we have to build these trivia rounds in, what should we do? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we had something to do with that. And then I think a lot of it was probably, uh, not not to reveal your secrets, Jim, but probably writing your script. Like, just your, what's up, how's it going? <laughs> Those sorts of things. Yeah, because I wasn't even scheduled to host it. Like, originally it was an MTV thing, and then I think over the course of the a couple who, weeks who leading else, up to it. At that, at that point, who else would they have hosted? I, I am curious to know. I don't know. Whose hand that would have fallen into, because that would have been way too funny, and they would have handed them their lunch. Because a week leading up to it, I wasn't even hosting it yet. So then at some point, I guess they, they called me up from the minors and I did that one show and I, I, I didn't know the, you know, I didn't know the producers. I didn't know the lay of the land because I was MTV two most of the time. Yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, well, I mean, they, they made the right decision there. And another, another fun little bit about that. So I'm, like I said, I'm, I grew up outside of Detroit. And that was the night, and if you watch that episode, yes. I think you commented at the end, that was the night that Pistons beat the, like, you know, past their prime Lakers with Gary Payton and Carl Malone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like this underdog Piston team of, like, just, you know, sewn together. And I remember being so excited, and, and the guys before the show started were back there watching it, so I was just like over their shoulder. I think I was even wearing a Ben Wallace jersey, uh, <laughs> just because why Why not? And uh, yeah, so that was like, that, that night was a really, definitely one I always remember, because it was like, I get to see my favorite basketball team win the championship, and then do that album really special, which was super cool. You probably weren't upset, huh, that you had to work that night. No, I mean it was it was it was all too good to be true. Now, did they did they remember you from your Lollapalooza '94 days? Yeah, and I mean, like there would be other little things, like um, you know, like I said, Steve Martin, who I interned for, just because I came up through MTV and I would you know see him around, and then I lived in his neighborhood at one point, so he'd invite me to like political like dinners at his house, so like. I'd run into him every so often where it wasn't like, it wasn't by any means like firsthand, like, hey, what's going But it would always just be like, oh, yeah, like, oh, that's right. Like, there would always be this exchange of like, wait, how do I know you? Like, <laughs> you know, whatever. Or so, so it was in my mind. I, I might have had to introduce myself for the first time every time. Do you remember the last time you ran into the Beastie Boys? Um, or that, that may have been it. Do you remember the last time you saw them perform live? Um, I, oof. I remember the McCarran Park sh- uh, show, and that was like the first like full show, I, or the last full show I think I saw them. I, there might have been like another like one of those like benefits where they popped up and did a couple songs. Uh-huh. Um, but I think the McCarran Park was like the last one, at least in my memory, uh, that I saw. Which is now a pull again, right? Yeah, 
Because I was there. there was a sliver of time when they were playing, <laughs> and there was like crazy fun shows there. I mean, I saw a lot of a lot of concerts there. That was surreal to think that thing would ever be full of water. I know. Because it was a couple summers ago, I, I looked at my son and I said, see that pole over there? I, I saw the Beastie Boys in that pole. And I don't think he grasped the concept of it. <laughs> yeah, right? It was a float party. Yeah. <laughs> I said, there wasn't water in the pole, but we were inside the pole and the Beastie Boys were over there performing live and it was great. So, Brian, the reason you're on today yeah. is we are going to talk about the most underrated Beastie Boys songs. Uh, my short list wasn't so short. It was probably 15 or 20 songs. But I narrowed it down to five, and I asked you to narrow it down to five. And if I can ask yeah. you, before we start, what were your qualifiers? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the trick of it all. I, I would say, I think for the most, well, no, I, one of them does. Uh, for the most part, it was like songs that didn't have videos mm-hmm. or or the kind of thing where if you ask the casual Beastie Boy fan to name 20 songs, very rarely would most of these ever be mentioned. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to pick anything. Like, there's certain albums underrated is like, is anything from License to Ill underrated? Like, all of that. I just feel like that album was like on continuous play out of every boombox and and car for like three years like every song so totally agree totally agree with you so so one of my songs is from that record but it's it's hard and then um i would argue like anything off the last two albums could be considered underrated because none of those it seemed were like in the mix the way previous songs had been interesting because I was thinking about Hot Sauce Committee Part 2, but it's tough to rank since they didn't tour behind it. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it's like every every song from that is underrated because it, it has zero rating whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if almost, I guess we're saying almost rating equals recognition in a way. So should we shout out some honorable mentions before we get to our official lists? Um... Sure. All right. sure, sure. Starting with Hot Sauce Committee Part 2, this song is so underrated, it didn't even make the album, but to me, Pop Your Balloon is an all-time Beastie Boys great. How did yeah. it not make the final cut? And that would have been yeah, fun it, live, too. Just, you know, with the crowd, pop your balloon, pop, pop your balloon. But But don't you think that's sort of... They have that as a calling card because every from when you could start hearing their B sides and and for me that was the the check your head CD era where you'd really go get those singles and hear all those songs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many of those, and I'm like, how is this not on the record? You know, and 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 I think that's just a continuation of that like habit. It's like they they saved some, and I don't know if it's because they wanted to move singles as well or whatever, but. Uh, and I, I doubt it was even that well thought out, but there are some <laughs> great, great things uh, that you find on all those B-sides from, from BC Boys. And I think that's something that's like always, they've always delivered on. Yeah, the B-sides from Check Your Head and Ill Communication are their best stuff. And then we were spoiled because when Hello Nasty came around, 
there were some remixes, but there weren't any, any really great B-sides. Yeah, right, exactly. And, and I think that just had to do with, like, the changing sort of, like, culture, right? More like more people were making remixes, and so there was probably more of a desire to have remixes. Remixes were getting played on the radio or whatever. Or it so could I think be... That's what people desire. Right, or it could be because there was a, a million songs on Hello Nasty. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I think it was like um, 22 but, but songs or something. But that's, it's, it, it's, I mean, my, mine would be, one of my honor men, uh, honorable mentions is, is Skills to Pay the Bills, which is the same thing. Um, because they had the whole movie, the home VHS, mm-hmm. that had that title. It got, it got maybe close to not being underrated, but uh, that, to me, and that was a song they'd play live, and, it, and, and everybody would go crazy to hear that song live. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, and it was almost always in the set, but it was uh, it was one that got people going. Yeah, years ago on an episode of the Brouhaha, that was named the greatest B side of all time. There it is. See, but okay. the reason the reason I don't consider it underrated is because they played it live so often. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. So, if people are wondering so, yeah, why so, that's not so, on my so, list, so, that's why. So, so what is your criteria then? So my criteria is most likely can't be a single. Right, 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 na- right, right now, now, not on my list. I think it's underrated, but because it was a single, it's you know it's rated in the the Beastie Boys' eyes. So it has to be an album cut. It has to be one that they didn't perform live a lot, and then it has to be one that sort of goes unnoticed. And then when you listen to an album, you're like, wait a second. How come this never got played? Like, how come this wasn't a single? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, some of mine definitely get played live, but all right. Anyway. You, you want to start? Uh, yeah. So, so my number five uh, would would be Car Thief, and again, ooh, okay. Paul, Paul, Paul's boutique to me is 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 one where like outside of Hey Ladies. There wasn't much, you know, maybe Shake Your Rump, I, I would put as, as a number two, maybe Shadrach, but mm-hmm. like, but again, probably the record I've listened to more than any other in my life, and so I, I don't personally, I couldn't really wrap my head around calling any of them underrated, but I think in the lexicon of like when people think about the 10 Beastie Boy songs they should listen to, I, this is so good to me. Like this is this is such a great, great Beastie Boy song on so many levels that I think if anyone doesn't put it in like the top five, it is underrated. Okay. See, with your criteria for license to ill, that's what I think of Paul's boutique. Yeah, I think exactly. every track is a classic, so no track is underrated. Yeah, and that's fair. I I, to- I totally get that, and I struggled with that, but. Um, I, I would even say, yeah, if people, for me, it would be like, would people call that out as a top four song they think of when they think of Paul's Boutique? I don't, I wouldn't think so. Okay. Now, was Car Thief ever performed live? Because I know I, don't really, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I'd have to go, well, whatever. Anyone could go back and look, I suppose. But, like, uh, I don't really recall... But, like, Car Thief also could have been one of those, because, you know, especially in, like, the the or, or the mid to late 90s, like, all those shows, 
they'd quite often be a verse of like almost every song ever, but you wouldn't necessarily hear a complete version of anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when you think of the, the live cuts from Paul's Boutique, there's Shake Your Rump, Shadrack, uh, Sounds of Science, Hello Brooklyn, Eggman, Eggman High Plains Drifter. And yeah. other than that, I don't know if anything survived looking past the 90s. Looking down the barrel of a gun, I've, I, I, looking down the barrel of a gun, I've, I've seen live. Ooh, I never saw that. That was probably early 90s, I would think, huh? Yeah, like 90, 93. All right. Yeah, I saw, not 94 was the first time I saw them. So I never saw gotcha. looking down the barrel of a gun perform live. All right, so my number five is a B-side from the Ill Communication era. I believe it officially came out on the Sure Shot Maxi single with that kid saying, what's he saying? Look, Ma, what are you giving me? Or something like that. It was the, the red cover. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And he's, yeah, he's on like an old couch with yeah. like a red shirt. <laughs> so my number five is The Vibes. To me, oh. to me, this is an album opener. The vibes is so good, and it was buried. It was buried on a maxi single. Yeah, it's you're. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it, it again, it's just like I don't know. Someone needs to get to the bottom of it. And in the in the gangster rap era, this kinda kinda at least with the production and the sound of it was in that lane or close to that lane. Yeah, it was it was sinister in a way. Right. Yes. So. Um, well, yeah, and, and also I don't. Was it on the same one? Um, it might have been on the Get It Together one, where dope little song again, very short but very dope. No, yeah, dope. I think it was dope little song in resolution time. I think those were together on the the Get It Together maxi single. Oh yeah, yeah. Resolution time was another good one. Once again. A lot of great B-sides during the check-your-head-in-ill-communication eras. All right, so I'll start off number four. To me, if this song was performed live, I think it could have been a live staple in the same way Root Down became a live staple. Because when I first heard Root Down, I thought, eh, I don't know if I'm feeling this. And then when the Beastie Boys sold it live, I thought, okay, I get it now. So my number four off of Hello Nasty just a test. Oh, yes, great, yes. The course, great, great, I mean, the course would be great live. One, two, one, two. This is just a test. The crowd would have lost it. Yeah, yeah, and also that's that's a. I mean, live is best when they are exchanging lyrics, and I'll get to that with one of my other underrated songs in a second. But like that is a song that just lends itself to like the lyrics being just like. Thrown a lot, thrown around like the ultimate three man weave, uh, and that's when it's like, <laughs> and that, and that's and that's and that's when you're, that's when the water's boiling. And there was there was a day where I immersed myself in YouTube, and I thought I'm gonna find a live version of this, and there was nothing. So I don't know if Just a Test was ever performed live, and that is a shame. Couldn't they have tried I, it just once? Yeah, right. That's I mean, it seems. It seems easy enough. Like to take act. it, take it to the test kitchen, and it's not even that long. And it ends, it uh, ends on the course, it ends on the hook. One, two, one, two. This is just a test, and then you cut out. You end it like that. So, 
Well, it, right, it plays itself like the structure of that song is such a no-brainer. You're absolutely right. And it's in. I consider it in the same family as Super Disco Break-In and Flute Loop. And both of those songs were played live. So, Brian. All the time. Yeah. What is your number four? All right. So, um, my number four is uh, definitely a song you heard live a lot. Okay. And it, and it, 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 goes, and it goes back to the, the licensed ill part of it. And, and, and I mean, there are a lot of singles off that. But for me, the new style Ooh. is... It's just, it's, it's just like four four or five songs in one <laughs> and it's also there There are certain Beastie Boys songs that it just seems the lines from them are just like constantly there are situations that just put them in your mind and and there's so many songs from or so many lines rather from New Style which is uh, which which are like that but yeah that and, and again you'd see them do that live and it was so fun. And, and also, like, it's one of those songs that I never really, I mean, has fewer cringeworthy moments than others from life and Mm-hmm. I remember when I was younger and they went into the ad-rock part, I thought, well, is this a, a different song? Is it the next song? No, it's still the same song. Okay. Wow. Okay. You're right. right. So, it's, yeah, the new style packs exactly. a punch. It's a two-course song. <laughs> <laughs> and it gave us that classic ad rock sample. Drop. Mm-hmm. And like I just I, I literally remember my friends and I like singing that part of the that song like riding the total world at like fairs, you know? <laughs> like it, just like why I don't know why we thought we needed to like sing. Uh, but yeah, that that's true. And when the Beastie Boys performed at the VH1 Hip Hop Honors years ago, I loved that they pulled that one out. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I think again, it's it's like one from that era that that still it, it just embodied their spirit that, but would, without being the dick side that existed then. Mm-hmm. Yes, they could still perform it years later. Right. After they were enlightened. So that brings us to number three. Why don't you lead us off on this one, Brian? Yeah, so, um, again, like, for me, Hot Sauce Committee is just, it, it, it just never got the love for, obvious, you know, a million obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the Don't Play No Game That I Can't Win with Santi Bold is... Just like an example of had we, you know, maybe they would have had, what, a, two, maybe more albums in them, let's say, if, if the Outcat had enough past. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that kind of was tipping that, like, the needle in, or the arrow, rather, in the direction you might have heard more of their songs. And I, that song is great. It's so good. That song, criminally underrated. Because it was released as a single, and that should have been the freaking song of the summer, what, in 2011? Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is, like, it, 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 got, it got a push, but for some reason it never caught on. And, and to me, I was just, I, I, like, Santa Gold is, is yes, so and you have cool Santa Gold. on her own. Yes! She's so cool on her own, and if you haven't seen her perform live, like, 
that is about as fun of a live show as you can see today at Santa Gold Live. But um, but I just thought it was like this real, like you know, in hip hop, so many times, like the the especially with it's a group, right? When the Beastie Boys welcome someone, it it does feel like an appendage, and like this, I think, is one of the best instances of the Beastie Boys collaborating with someone and it feeling like, okay, yeah, this. This is great. I would have loved them to do six more songs together. Because this song, it felt like they were carving out new territory, stuff they've never done before. Yeah, right, exactly. And, and it was like, and that's a tough thing to do, right? If, especially if you, if you ha- in hip-hop, it, it just seems so hard um, to evolve. And especially if there's three of you, um, it, it kind of already puts you in, in one place as far as like what your sound is and how the three of you work together and stuff. So, um, yeah, I thought I thought this was like pointing in, in the direction of what would have been next. And uh, but but on its own, just a, an amazing, amazing track. Yeah, I'm a I'm a delusional human being. And when this song came <laughs> out, I thought, you know what? This could get played on pop radio. It's that good. Pop radio didn't touch it. Obviously, but alternative radio didn't touch it either. Yeah, that's weird. It's a damn shame. What's wrong with this world? All right. I, well, you're the one who worked close to pop radio. <laughs> well, I remember exactly. writing. I remember writing something for VH1's website, and I predicted that this was going to be one of the songs of the summer. I was wrong, <laughs> but in my perfect world, I was right. All right. Yeah. Uh, my number three, never released as a single, should have been, sometimes performed live by the Beastie Boys, and every time they performed it live, which they didn't do a lot, I was always a night off. Do you, did you go to any of the um, New Yorkers Against Violence concerts in 2001? So I didn't have a lot of money back then, so I went to night one, and then on night two, they played this song. And I think there was another instance where the Beastie Boys played back-to-back nights and I only went to the one concert and then on the other night they played it. A song that should have been a single, a song that I would have loved to hear live of Hello Nasty, Unite. Mm. Did you I've, ever- I've, I've seen that live, oh, yeah. Man. Was it good? Yeah, and... Yes, it's well. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got a little weird story on on that one too. Well, maybe maybe talk it down and it'll make me feel better. Um, so so there's a sh- you know the end of it's like little shout out to Ian and little Zoe right, and that's that's mm-hmm. Ian Rogers. Yes. Um, so when I was in college, my freshman year of college, the first time I was ever on the internet. And uh, because I was such a Beastie Boy nerd, like the first thing I did was like find every article I could find on the internet and read it and print them. I felt like I had to print them all, so I still have all these articles like printed. So I printed them all and took them up to my room and read them and whatever. And then I also found a Beastie Boy message board, and I met this guy, like literally my first internet friend, was this guy Ian Rogers, <laughs> and. You know, and it, it was just crazy that, like, to see this guy, and, and, you know, kind of evolve and then become ridiculously involved with with Beastie Boys in, in every, like, way possible. And, um, and so he would get me, like, passes to their shows to help him, like, set up, like, 
CD-ROMs back then. They'd set up these like weird CD-ROMs and like arcade chests uh, around the uh, the concourse during the Hello Nasty tour. And so I'd help him set those up, and then I could go see the Beastie Boys. So um, you're, you're but, boys, uh, you're boys with Ian. I knew him, yeah, and like I've, I've crossed paths with him several times uh, since. But like, crazy, you know, he was obviously a part of the Apple Music Beast thing, which was crazy in its own right and now mm-hmm. um, you know like inventing technology with Louis Vuitton which I don't even know what that means but I'm not surprised <laughs> that he's a, I'm not surprised that he's a part of it and it was always a dream of mine to get a shout out in a Beastie Boy song I thought what could, wow. I, what could I do in this world to get a shout out so I wonder what Ian and Zoe think when they got a shout out or Evan Bernard when he got a shout out it, yeah right I mean it Zoe, because she's so young, I'm sure it's just like second nature. She's like, oh, I guess. Uh, but I, for those other dudes, I'm you gotta think they're just like, holy shit, that's amazing. Because those songs are forever. Yeah. All right, so we're up to number two right now. Uh, you want me to go first on this one, or you want to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. Um, we, we were talking about the, the McCarran Parks McCarran Park uh, pool show mm-hmm. earlier, and um, and I remember so the night before, right? They played in Central Park. I think it was directly the night before. Yes. Maybe it was two nights before. But I remember I went with my, I believe then fiance, now my wife. Uh, we went to the Central Park show because so I was like, that'll probably be more like her speed. And uh, and so on the way home, we were talking, and she's like, "So you're going to go again tomorrow?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, yes, I'm going again tomorrow." <laughs> And I remember, I didn't want to say it out loud, but I was like, if they don't open this concert with Hello Brooklyn, I am just going to, I'm just going to be disappointed. And like, they could obviously open it with no seats to Brooklyn or they could not want to like hit the nail on the head and totally respect that too and go a totally different direction. But I was like, yeah, Hello Brooklyn is kind of the way you have to open this. And surely enough, we're normally... When the Beastie Boys come out on stage, it's like them shot out of a cannon. They're like, just hit you, hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. They just walk, they just meandered to the edge of the stage, <laughs> look around, and then you heard the hello, Brooklyn. <laughs> and I was just like, thank you for, thank you for just, thank you, just thank you. And uh, so, yeah. Number two for me, Hello Brooklyn. Um, I felt like, again, yes, this is a song they play live. It is obviously like kind of a no-brainer hit, but I felt like any song that didn't even get its own right to be a single on an album, I figured, okay, that's they, they underrated it at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that they probably, you know, because I guess at that time to be an album cut, you know, like now and maybe maybe the Booyah bass should get a little credit but now on hip-hop records like there's all sorts of little weird snippets and half songs and this and that mm-hmm. so um but anyway hello brooklyn to me um yeah that song that's that song just hits you where you want to be hit one of only two beats that the beastie boys made on paul's boutique because they did looking down the barrel of a gun and then ad rock did hello brooklyn on his drum machine and i remember reading a write-up on paul's boutique at some point and they're talking about the the Dust Brothers production, and they said, "Yeah, Ad Rock brought this like drum machine thing, and it ended up being Hello Brooklyn." And I thought, "No, no, 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 no! Don't talk that down. 
That's almost the crown jewel of B-Boy's Bully Base. Yeah. And almost the crown jewel. What would you say is the crown jewel? I like that. I like AWOL at the end. Oh, uh, yeah. But probably, I would say Hello Brooklyn is probably my favorite in B-Boy's Bully Base. Then there's Mike on the Mic, A Year and a Day. Those are good, too. Oh, boy. But uh, for, yeah. those, for those that haven't done this yet, on the Awesome I Shot This DVD, there's little bonus extras whenever there... I think it's a, a little battery icon, and you click on it, and it is, it's the Beastie Boys practicing Hello Brooklyn backstage at MSG, and it's hilarious. Because you could tell it's probably an hour or two before the show starts, and they still don't have the rhymes figured out yet. They're like, no, 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 you get that part. No, you, then you get that part, and then I come in on this part. And they're like, well, what's first? Well, that's first, and then that's second. So it's hilarious. So do yourself a favor and watch the, um, the little extra of Hello Brooklyn on Awesome I Shot That. I have to say, that was always sort of like towards the end of seeing them live, my love-hate was like, sometimes I loved their little like, okay, we got to start this over, we're sorry, <laughs> whatever. But then other times I was like, come on, man, how do you not remember that one? <laughs> yeah, there were times I would be in my seat and I thought, no, I know that, I know, I couldn't do that in my sleep. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. So my number two, we are talking most underrated Beastie Boy songs. My number two, it wasn't a single, although it kind of was maybe because it was released as a half single sabotage slash this song. But Uh. when, when you listen to it back and the reason... It Never Worked Live is because there was a, a feature on this song. And sometimes this rapper would perform live with the Beastie Boys. And every time he performed live with them, he would mess this song up. So maybe it's Q-Tip's fault that Get It Together is so freaking underrated, but it's so good. Yeah. Mm. And it never got played yeah. live. I mean, it did get played live, but not as it should have been played live every time the Beastie Boys performed. When when you were when you were growing up, though, you heard this song. Like they would play this one on the radio. We would get this one on the radio quite a bit. We never got it. Hmm. Yeah, there, I was, think... there was a radio station that we that you'd listen to in Detroit called 89X, right? Like how perfectly typical of grunge era radio. <laughs> but they would play great stuff and, and, and like the Beastie Boys, all records were in heavy rotation. Um, and so, yeah, you'd, you'd get get it together. Even the pop stations would play get it together. Cause I, I don't know, like Q-Tip, everyone loves Q-Tip, but um, yeah, totally. I mean, a great song and how frustrated you'd get, yeah, when all the times Tribe Called Quest would open. And then they didn't do it. And you're like, what? Come on. What are you doing? Because I saw it was Lollapalooza in Pittsburgh, 1994. I went to a couple shows that year. I went to one in Ohio, one in Pittsburgh. So they bring out Q-Tip. And I thought, oh, this is going to be great. And he slaughtered the lyrics. And I guess it makes sense because the story is that he went to G-Sun and just spit a freestyle. And then they kind of spliced it and shaped it into a song. So he didn't even know oh, that he was. He didn't know that he was doing verse one and then verse two. He just did a freestyle, and the Beastie Boys pieced it together. Then I saw the Beastie Boys on the 1995 
Quadrophonic Stereo Tour. They attempted yep. to do it themselves without Q-Tip, and they butchered it. And that was the last time I ever heard it performed live. Oh, yeah, I, I saw it a couple of times on the, on the Hello Nasty Tour. Because, yeah, they did it. I remember, yeah, I remember they did it in the, in, in the round tour, and I went to the yeah. Cleveland stop, and I thought, okay, this is my third chance at Get It Together, and they didn't even do it. So I guess yeah, it wasn't I, a guaranteed every, yeah, every time on the stop. I saw a couple times then. And then I remember of the four Lollapalooza shows I saw, I think they did it just once because I remember the first time they didn't do it and I was just so disappointed because I just figured that was a layup. I was like, well, he's here. <laughs> you might as well do it. I mean, and the beat, Yeah, the beat is so clean because there was a lot of stuff from that era that was grimy. But to me, that's such a, a clean, fresh beat. Yes, right. And and the, the microphones are a little cleaner on that one for them. And mm -hmm. um, yes, exactly. And then and, and of course the the ad rock being with Ioni, but now <laughs> yeah. But then she left. But then she left him for a woman, and now she's with Ben Lee, who they once discovered, which is yes, good. yes. So maybe it, it's hard to perform that song live because it brings up too many bad memories. Well, I, I remember one time seeing that song live. And so Q-Tip, I think, has that line, right? Ad-Rock's down with the Ioni. And mm -hmm. he just looked and went, and Ad-Rock just kind of looked at him and went, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, what? Kathleen Hanna does not rhyme with macaroni. Yeah. That's all right. You could throw her in there. I don't think anyone would mind. But Get It Together should be an all-time great, yet I think it's kind of floating out there in the ether. But do you think, okay, do you think if, if you went to uh, a bar or whatever, a, a club, I don't know what you call it, but uh, and DJ'd, or, or even if you were DJing between sets at like whatever, Lollapalooza, I bet you if you put on Get It Together, the crowd would love it. You think? I mean, I, the, the old yeah, crusty yeah, people yeah, would yeah, love it. You know what? Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. If, if you're at, like, a Cypress Hill concert. No, because uh, you're right. At Lollapalooza, like, I don't know who plays Lollapalooza anymore. 21 Pilots or something. Like, right. I don't know if those people know Beastie Boys. But, like, that is a song... You're right, but I think of an era, like people of our age, like I think people know that song and, and are just like, yes, this, this, this was a jam. But 40 years from now, when A Tribe Called Quest scenario is dropped at a club, people will lose oh, their totally minds. Different. And I have a feeling that people won't lose their minds in 20 years when Get It Together is dropped at a club just because it was never a single and it was never sold live and it's kind of underrated. The, 100%, 100%. Yeah, not kind of underrated for me, highly underrated for me. That's why it's number two. And that brings us to our number one underrated Beastie Boys song. What do you got? All right. To me, every time I listen to this album, I slam my fist on my desk, or if I'm driving, I slam it on the dashboard, and I say to myself, why wasn't this ever performed live? Now, maybe it was. I never heard it performed live. When the Beastie Boys were remastering their albums like a decade ago, and they put out those commentaries, when this yeah. song was being played, in the room, 
you could you could almost see the the thought bubbles in their heads. And I think at one point they said we should bring this back and perform this live. To me, the most underrated Beastie Boy song of all time, Adam Yauch spits fire in verse three. The only time on Wax where the Beastie Boys actually go after another rapper, Professor Booty, the most underrated Beastie Boy song uh, of all time. Sir, what's another word uh, for pirate treasure? Yeah, I mean, preaching to the choir, it's... Um, <laughs> I, and I know, and I know, Jim, because I've heard you say this before that "Check Your Head" is your favorite Beastie Boys yes, record. Yes, absolutely. And 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 my sort of like cheat, and this is so lame, but this is the, the, the politician, I suppose, is that is ingrained in me or something. I always say, "Paul's Boutique's my favorite record." Check Your Head has the best songs, and it's it's to me it's not even close. Check Your Head has the best singles, and Professor Booty is. And talk about, again, lyrics that are constantly in my mind. Like, that entire song is uh, well done. I, I, almost, I almost don't even want to give mine because that is such a, a great choice. And they go, well, MCA goes after MC Search in the third verse. Yeah. And that's the only time that the Beastie Boys go after someone in one of their songs. And whenever anyone would say, oh, the Beastie Boys, they're not good rappers. I would say, listen, listen to verse number three in Professor Booty, and you tell me that MCA is not a top ten MC. Yeah, well, that, I mean, I think all three of them on that, that song have just, like, such tight, tight delivery. But, yeah, Yauk at the end, especially, and it's weird, because my brother and I would always joke, like, he's got that one part after the Janet Jackson line, <laughs> you know, that's the one part of the song. I have no idea what he says. And to this day, I could start and do the entire song but against that part. I'm like, I don't know. It's like something about a walkabout or something. I've looked it up a million times, but it's one of those where I could never sing along to that part. So it's yeah. like, so so It's a mouthful. Now, if you go to Wikipedia and you look at the Check Your Head page, it lists the singles, and it lists Professor Booty as the fifth single. It says it, were, it, was, it was released December 15th, 1992. Now, do you think someone just called out to a whole bunch of radio stations and said, hey, Professor Booty is the next single? Because I don't remember any type of official single or anything like that for Professor Booty. Do you? Yeah, no. And and I don't think ever heard it on the radio Um and again, that was the time when I was listening to a station that had it been any sort of like radio single would have probably played it. Um, no, I, I don't. And like, I, I am though just trying to rack my brain to think if I ever, yeah, like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember that at all. I don't either. So like I said, maybe they said, yeah, this is going to be our fifth single. Just call all the radio stations and say, uh, play Professor Booty. It's our fifth single from Check Your Head. Because I remember videos, there was, it was Past the Mic, that was number one, into So What You Want, into Jimmy James, into Gratitude. And there's, right. there's videos for all four of those, and then there's also a, a music video for Time for Living. Right. So, all right, I'm excited to hear your number one. I mean, it's, uh, that was, Professor Booty is so good, it's so good, and it is underrated, you're right, and... 
So, so if, if Professor Booty is what I think track eighteen yeah. off of uh, <laughs> off of Check Your Head, if I remember correctly. Yes. Uh, I think if you go back to twelve, you get into mine. I think it's twelve. If it isn't, so be it. Um, stand together. Yes. Um, and and I. Sort of like how you were giving your love to Professor Booty. Stand Together, I often say, it is my favorite Beastie song. And, it, and it's a tricky one because on the album, um, it's just Yauk, which is great. And it's, it's um, you know, it's like quintessential Yauk 2.0, like enlightened Yauk. Uh, but it's still like aggressive and, and sort of punchy. But where, where it comes to life is live when mm-hmm. all three of them... When all three of them are doing it, mm-hmm. um, where it's just oh, it's, it's just so good, and 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 they did it a ton live, and so that's like when I think about that song, I always think about the three of them doing it, and uh, yeah, to me, that even just that like that little break is like oh, I love it. It it it's, it's so good. So yeah, to me, most underrated song. I together. would say. This is top five, top ten Beastie Boy song. It's so good, and it's yeah, got. I, I mean, for sure it is for me. For and sure. The, the working title, I think, was Screw Gun because what you hear in the beginning was uh, Money Mark Screw Gun, and MCA wanted to sample it. Right. Yeah. Stand together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good, so good, so good. And like, I mean, yeah, that was at a time when you you just had like it was all about the CDs and uh, like car stereos and like that 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 song sounds so good uh, in that in that environment. Because I remember at our college's radio station, in our first year there, you could only play the songs that were marked on the CD. And I, I think I broke a roll and I would play this song just because it sounds like a single. It's so contagious the first time you hear it. Right. And the reason I didn't put it on my list is because it did get some love live. And I think a live version was on one of the singles from Check Your Head. I don't know if it was totally. Jimmy James or Gratitude. Yeah, I think, I think so. And then... I mean, that was the time, I don't know if you ever bought those, like, live bootleg CDs, but where there's literally, like, four concerts that would get skinned, like, 19 different ways, and mm-hmm. you'd buy the second bootleg CD, and you're like, wait, I already own this one. Right. Because uh, it had different <laughs> packaging or whatever. But there was one a show, I think, they did in Germany, because they'd do a little breakdown where they'd, like, some Butterstay schnitzel, you know, <laughs> uh, bratwurst. So, uh, yeah, and it also a song that live... Uh, especially or only, but uh, live during the Mixmaster Mike era, he'd throw some fun beats that would that would kind of put the guys on their toes. That was always kind of fun. So before we take a break and talk about T-shirts, can you list off your five again? Yeah, my my five. Um, try to get them in the order. Uh, so I think I started with uh, Car Thief, then I went New Style, uh, Don't Play No Game That I Can't Win. Hello, Brooklyn, and uh, Stand Together. And my most underrated Beastie Boy songs, The Vibes, Just a Test, Unite, Get It Together, and Professor Booty. We're going to take a quick break. 
when we come back. It's a doubleheader today, baby. Let's play two. We are talking about best Beastie Boys t-shirt designs. We are back, back in effect on the brouhaha. Jim Shear and Brian Terry, blast from the past. That's right. Yeah. Interesting That's stuff, right. man. I uh, I totally forgot about your, your cable access show. Yeah, it was, um, like I said, it was, it was once I figured out, um, and again, it, it, it's a, I was, I had the benefit of growing up outside Detroit and then going to college in Missouri where like, there's not a lot of media requests. So, so being the kid who would be out back and be like, hey, you want to do an interview? It's like, we've got four hours to kill at a parking lot in Columbia, Missouri. We might as well talk to this kid. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it, was, it was just basically a way to get into concerts for free, but then kind of turned into uh, a career. Do you know that guy on YouTube who posts all the Beastie Boys videos? Yeah. Well, do I know him personally? No, but, but I, I know what... Porky's, right? Yeah. Does he have... Your interview of the Beastie Boys? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look. I'd have to look. I mean, I definitely I know who you're talking about because I've clicked on links that have been his and then gone down those rabbit holes. But I don't. I don't know how he would. Ha- how he would? I mean, it was. It was you know VHS public access. I mean, obviously I have copies, and uh, it is. <laughs> it's a trip because you'd think. I would have known better than to wear uh, light blue jean shorts, but I, but I did, but I didn't, but I didn't. I don't you... know that I wore light blue jean shorts before or after, but for the day, I'm going to meet my favorite people in the world. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let's wear the light blue jean shorts today. <laughs> can you can you post that to YouTube? Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, can you, yeah, give, it might can be, I give you a homework I think, assignment? I think, a, I think a part of it might be, uh, yeah, if I do some digging, um, let me, let me, think about let me it. find it. Yeah. Cause I think at one point, at one point, um, at one point it was on Facebook. And so I think, yeah, at least part of it. And the thing is, is so it's interesting it's Mike D, it's Ad Rock and DJ Hurricane. No Adam Yauch. Why? Where was he? Uh <laughs> who knows? Probably he, he drew the short straw was like, Great, I don't have to interview the kid in the do the interview with the kid in the jean shorts. <laughs> it's the it's like the De La Soul squat song. They got Mike yeah. D and Ad Rock, but no MCA. It's yeah, like right. it's like the so uh, the was, far side drop video. Mike D. Yeah, I mean he was, and Ad-Rock, he was no MCA. He was, he was a mysterious man, um, you know, and uh, so so be it. But uh, yeah, it's it's hilarious. And the thing is, it's like you know, I've been preparing for this thing, and I knew I knew I was going to interview him or whatever, and I'm so excited. But like, 
it's not like I knew anybody who was a cameraman. I was 16 years old, so I just got my friend. I was like, hey, here, your job is a cameraman. And just so I could get an extra pass, I told my other buddy, your job is the job to set up the tripod. <laughs> and uh, and so, like, you know, they're watching George Clinton having a good old time. And I'm like, guys, we got to go interview the Beastie Boys. And they're like, what? And, like, <laughs> you know, so I know that, like, the raw footage, which is at my parents' house, uh, is... And, and yeah, I'm I'm 41 and still have things in my parents' house. It's that's sad, but it's true. Um, the in in the clips you hear them like talking to my friend Danny, and they're like, "Danny, are you recording? Are you, is this thing on?" Because they're just like, "What the hell did we sign up for?" Um, but yeah. <laughs> Once again, I would love to see that. So whenever you have time, please sure. put that on the internet. All right. So before you go today, double header. Yep. On the brouhaha. Favorite Beastie Boys t-shirt designs. And before we start this conversation, I would just like to say, and I hope this doesn't come off as a diss, but I don't think the Beastie Boys had the greatest t-shirt designs. The good ones were great, but I remember going to shows from 94 on and I thought, eh, I don't know. Mm, eh, I don't know. I, I love the ones I have, but I wish there were more. Maybe you disagree with me. Discuss. Uh, yeah, sure. So I would say as a genre, it's a it's a pretty lame genre of t-shirt. I think like there is something to actually moving the merchandise which says like bigger is better. Mm-hmm. And for me, and what I like in t-shirts, that's always not the case. Uh... And, and so I think that's part of it because they always seem like super busy and you're just like, wait, or, or they would just take a weird, like, like they take a photo off of like the, the past the mic B side and then all of a sudden blow that up and make that be a concert t-shirt. And you're just like, wait, what? Um, but I, I agree that, that when they hit it, they hit it really well. Yes. And it's, and it's funny because, because one of the shirts that's on my list, Design wise is pretty terrible, but I have, <laughs> but but sentimentally, I it you know I, I'm a fan of it. But yeah, I I just think as a genre, concert T-shirts are usually kind of dumb. Because I remember during the ill communication era, I think it was just a, maybe a picture of the CD on the shirt, and I thought, no man. And then there was one yeah. that someone got me as a present years later. It was it said Beastie Boys, and it had like a bear on it. And maybe a falcon or an eagle, and I thought, yeah, this is a, this is okay. But but during the ill communication era, also they, I mean, we'll get in we'll get into the, the home run from that. But but like they also had the kung fu designs. Like there were some cool. I don't know if you remember those, but there was like a Bruce Lee. I remember that. Like yeah, the, yeah. Like I thought that stuff was was cooler. Um, but you're right. Like most of it was just sort of. Because I, I bought, I mean, and I did buy my fair share. I would have purchased more if I liked more of the, more of the designs. There was one that looked like um, like a camera and it had a, a go-go dancer in the lens. And I, I liked it for a while and then I thought, nah, I'm going to donate this one now. So anyway. Yeah. So let's get to our favorite Beastie Boys t-shirt designs. We're going to do three each. Uh, I'll start off with my number three. It's the classic Say Adams Beastie Boys graffiti font. It's just the red outline 
on the white t-shirt. Simple and clean. I love it. I still have it. And fortunately, they still sell these too on BeastieBoys.com. Yeah, this is like, this is, we were saying before, it's just sort of a messy genre. Like, this is one that definitely stands the test of time that as, as a grown-up, I would wear this. Mm-hmm. Um, which, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's super cool. And, and um, there's just something, again, that sort of like catches the spirit perfectly. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. It's su- super cool shirt. Because I think this was the first logo he made for the Beastie Boys. And then he cleaned it up over the years. And on this T-shirt, you could tell that he he did it up on Illustrator, so it's perfect. It has the little paint dripping down, and uh, it yeah, just totally. it gets better with age. So, say Adams, good job on the very simple red and white graffiti font T-shirt. That's my number three. So, uh, as as teased before, uh, my my number three is the uh, from the Check Your Head era, the B's plus T's. Uh, plus boys. Yeah. It is. It's, it's a super, again, like design-wise, it's like, let's do this giant thing on the front and this giant thing on the back. But um, it was the first concert t-shirt I bought at a Beastie Boys show, so that's the sentimental of it all. And, like, I loved the uh, the classic concentration. I don't know what you really call those puzzles, but right. I, I just loved, <laughs> like, like, that approach. And I remember, like, Anytime I would try to draw the Beastie Boys, I would basically just try to copy that drawing of them. Uh, I also, also in college, had the giant black light poster of that Bees plus T's plus Boys oh, thing. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and it was on like a, so yeah. a bottle cap, right? Because there's a giant bottle cap on the back of the shirt. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bees um, T Boys. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's a real so, thinker. Um, Brian, I have a question for you. Did you have the yellow or green one? Uh, all right. So, so here goes me nerding out. I my original, which I still have, is a green one. And then years later, someone as a gift gave me a yellow one, but the words are in Hebrew. Wow. I don't speak Hebrew. Um, so I'm assuming it says the right things, but uh, yeah, <laughs> the back is the, the back is the same, but the front is in what I believe to be Hebrew. So that's your number three. Yep. So let me just tell you my number two. My number two is the Bees T Boys T-shirt. There it is. And I can tell you this: in 1992, I remember going to a mall and. Within 10 minutes, I saw 12 of those things. Everybody had this T-shirt in 1992. Everybody. And I thought it looked so cool. Because at the time, that was the style to have like a, a big thing on the, the back of a shirt. And because it was a style then, and because it's such a... I don't know. Because it, I have so many good memories from that shirt... I will still wear that shirt, and I don't feel embarrassed that there's a big, giant thing on the back. Now, my shirt got ratty over time, and for my birthday this year, my wife got me a new one. So fortunately, this one, too, is also available on BeastieBoys.com right now. That's my number two favorite Beastie Boys t-shirt design. Yeah, I mean... I said what I needed to say, but it's a, it's, a, it's yeah, it's solid. And in um, case you're wondering, so, I have the green one. 
Yeah. Yeah. Do you know if if there's like a chronological order to to the two of them? No. Because I always thought it was green, but then when I would go to the mall, I saw people with yellow ones, and I thought, oh, that's cool, because that's like Pittsburgh colors. But I could never find the yellow one. I always found the green one. But when my wife asked me which one I wanted for my birthday this year, I said, well, I'll get the green one, because I, I had the green one as the old ratty one, so I want a, a new green one now. I, I, yeah, I concur. I, I like the green one. For me, it's the original, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, so, so my number two actually has the number three. It's the uh, Beastie Boys Junior Varsity uh, number three on the back, along with uh, Jay and Tony's Barber Shop as a sponsor. Because um, again, I like I said, I had the pleasure of seeing the Beastie Boys play basketball several times, and Junior Varsity uh, is is where it's at for those guys. And uh, yeah, I just I just liked. I mean. You know, they, they really went down. There was the Atwater Basketball Association, which, I again, I think that's an amazing shirt. Love that shirt. Um, they had the Mark Seliger Rolling Stone cover. So they they played in this, like, ABA retro basketball world quite a bit, the Root Down video. Um, and I, I, I thought this shirt was, like, super cool. They had the mesh jerseys that were reversible. I never had that. I would like to get it at some point. So wait, uh, you're talking about a T-shirt? Yeah, it was, I thought, you remember it? it was, yeah, I thought the JV they, ones were the reversible mesh tank tops. I think, yeah, they were, but I think they made short sleeve versions after oh. as well. Because I, I originally remember it as a tank top. And uh, believe it or not, I don't look that good in a tank top. I'm not really a tank top guy. <laughs> uh, but I, I love this. This is, a, this is a good tank top. Now I'm old enough that I don't really care, so maybe I could... I'll just wear it. Now, what color is the shirt? There is one that was like maroon and gold, and there was another one that was blue and orange. Okay. And maybe one that was green and yellow as well. Yeah, wait, I'm pulling them up online right now. Okay, I see them. I remember, See, I remember the tank top more than the T-shirt. But do you see? Is there a T-shirt? Yeah. So yeah. there's a okay. green one with yellow lettering, blue one with orange lettering, uh, yellow one with green lettering. Okay, maybe there was, I thought there was a yellow and dark red, or like a maroon and yellow, but I could be wrong. And then, I think Joe and Tony, if you want to know what they look like, I think they pop up in the um, the Sabotage Home video. I think there's some black and white oh, footage. Yeah, oh, yeah, 100% of them going down, because I think that was the barbershop under the G-Sun, mm-hmm. where they'd get their hair cut. And so, yeah, I, I believe that is the case. All right, so you've got your number three is Beast T Boys. Your number two is Joe and Tony's Barbershop. My number yeah. three is Say Graffiti or Say Adams Old School Graffiti Font. My number two, Beastie Boys. That brings us to our favorite Beastie Boys t shirt design. I'm going to go first since you already mentioned it. My sister totally surprised me. I think it was probably around 94. So I get this package in the mail, and I thought, what is this? And I opened it up. I never saw it in my life, because we didn't have the, I mean, we did have the internet back then, but there were still a lot of surprises in life. And it was a heather, light blue, very comfortable material, navy blue ringers around the neck and the sleeves, and it had that red, white, and blue basketball in the middle that said ABA, Beastie Boys, Atwater Basketball Association, my favorite Beastie Boys t-shirt design. 
Talking about simple, just a, a little basketball with ABA and the Beastie Boys around it. Clean, simple, love the, the feel of the shirt, love the look of the shirt. That is my number one. Yeah, it's, I mean, that, it's amazing. Like that, <laughs> it is such a cool shirt. And I remember my buddy got it, and so I couldn't get it. And I was just like, <laughs> come on, man. Hey, come on. You know where our relationship stands as far as this group is concerned. You know, like I saw in the band draft, he picked, I, we both like the pumpkins, but I thought he picked the pumpkins before me, so I would let him. But I thought I had the beasties, but I remember... Danny Birmingham, he had that shirt, and it, like, <laughs> in a way, it ruined it for me. I mean, now I'm sure I could wear it, but, like, it is, it's, that was, that was one of my favorites, is, was that shirt. Um, but, yeah, Danny Birmingham kind of ruined it for me. Because it was the first, I don't know what the material was, maybe it was, like, a 50-50, but um, up, at, up until that point in time, I only had cotton t-shirts, so they were really thick. So that yeah, was the first no, for sure. thinner material that was like T-shirt I had. American Apparel. Right. Yeah, it was before American <laughs> Apparel happened. Great man. I mean, I don't know if this the point of this podcast is so you can win, but you, I feel like you won both so far. <laughs> well, those are the rules. You come on, yeah, right. <laughs> right. But you, you I, had I'm the being, Beastie Boys. I'm being, like- a kind, I'm, being, I'm being a kind guest. But you had the Beastie Boys on your public access show, and you got to go to four Lollapalooza tour stops. I say you win. <laughs> I peaked early. <laughs> All right, Brian. So what is your favorite Beastie Boys t-shirt design? Don't disappoint me. Well, I will. You know, it's, it's funny. Like, like the uh, underrated songs, staying in the same era, uh, same design style. This one was white. With, uh, with the royal blue ringer, of course, with the van on the front with Little Beastie Boys airbrush, and on the back, of course, the red, white, and blue Aloha Mr. Hand. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it was, it, that, that was the jam. I remember when I saw that, and I was just like, God, now that's, that's, that's it, you know, because like we were saying before, so often you'd see these, and, uh, you know, the previous Beastie Boy t-shirt I got was the one, the Maestro one, where on the back it said, fuck all y'all. Right. And uh, that would that would be the one like I would wear it, and I could wear it like under a flannel, so it could be open, but you know, to school. But the back, right? Yeah, I know. So, so, so that was often the look, right? Button down shirt, open with that shirt going on. <laughs> but that was the kind of shirt where I'd every time go down in the basement to grab it back because my mom would be like, "What? You can't wear this!" And so it like she'd like tuck it in the corner by the laundry in our basement and I'd always have to like go, go digging and finding it. But, yeah. um, so, so Aloha, Mr. Hand, um, obviously the, uh, the reference to just Spicoli from fast times. And, and I don't know if you saw it the other day, I think it was on Instagram. Yes. Uh, Mike, Mike D posted something about the, you mm-hmm. know, on Yelk's, uh, on Yelk's birthday about their love for fast times. And obviously that shirt, uh, you know, drove that point home. Uh, I remember, one of the times when I got to go backstage at Lollapalooza, my friend, uh, Kristen was like, she gave me that t-shirt and she's like, well, you have Yauk sign this and, and as Nathan Wynn coaches, you know? And, uh, <laughs> so I don't know if Kristen Gerling still has that t-shirt, but, uh, she definitely at one point had it and I was like, oh, that's so cool. Um, but yeah, that, that t-shirt to me, um, again, like you said with the ABA, very simple, very clean, mm-hmm. uh, 
stands the, stands the test of time and has a reference that is just like subtle enough yet still like right on point. And I love that you brought up Mike D's Instagram post because he was at a drive-in movie theater watching Fast Times at Ridgemont High and he said that him and Yauk love that movie and I automatically thought of that t-shirt. And yeah, when, I, when I think of that t-shirt, I can smell Lollapalooza because everybody had that t-shirt at Lollapalooza 94. Because I think that was, I don't know how many they sold at Lollapalooza 94, I don't know how many designs, but that one, everybody had it. Aloha, yeah. Mr. Hand. It was, yeah, that, that to me, it was just like you, you saw that on the back, you're like, ah, that's so, it's, it's yeah, it's the exact reference level that, that, I don't know, got me going. And you, now, do you still have that t-shirt? Oh, yeah, 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 I've got them, I have, I kept so much dumb stuff, so, so I would consider the Beastie Boys t-shirts on, like, the, the high end of, like, the dumb things <laughs> that I, that I've held on to. Do like you, those, at least I can justify. There's other stuff where I'm like, "What in the world is that about?" Do you ever wear it? Uh, oh yeah, 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 for sure. I remember with the uh, the bees plus tees plus boys. Uh, MTV had their 20th anniversary, and it was like a concert. They actually did a show at Hammerstein Ballroom, and um, and I remember I went just to go. I wasn't working or anything. I didn't have to do it. And I was, like, so proud of the fact that I could wear that old Beastie Boys t-shirt, like, to that event to, like, represent or whatever. So, uh, yeah, there, there, there are times when I, when I bust them out for sure. Uh, especially Aloha Mr. Hand. I mean, that thing is just, it's, it's, it's just right. Nice. Yeah, I was waffling between Beastie Boys being number one or ABA. So if you ask me tomorrow, yeah. if you ask me tomorrow, it could be Beastie Boys. But today, it's the ABA. So you said your first time seeing him was was Lollapalooza. Yes. Yeah, I mean, but but the, the quad sound, which was right right after that '95, was pretty amazing. Like that tour, in my memory, was like as as good as it got. Oh yeah. Like, I think that from '92 to '95, I think that was the Beastie Boys in their prime. Yeah, hundred percent. Although, yeah, we got. Oh, yeah. there, there were times that I saw them in 2004, and I thought, hmm, because it was a more refined live show at that point, so they weren't right. jumping around as much, but they were just so on point at times, and I thought, are they better now than they were back then? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Things kind of balanced out and evened out, so energy factor more in the 90s, but uh, a tighter set and all those beats that Mixmaster Mike was dropping in, so I don't know. Well, that was that was the thing, like... The the ninety eight tour to me was was pretty amazing in that regard of like you had the mixed master mic element which was definitely additive for mm-hmm. sure like that was that was so good but I remember yeah those first like first time I saw them ninety two was on the roof of a parking garage <laughs> like oh. what you know what I mean what was where was that at was that in Michigan. Yeah, there was a in Pontiac, Michigan. There was an amphitheater at the top of a parking garage, and like all sorts of bands played there. It wasn't this wasn't just like some weird occurrence, but um, yeah, it's such a weird, surreal place. And it was yeah, L Seven opened up for them. It was it was awesome. It was one of the first concerts I got to go to without like a parent or anything. That's awesome because I remember 
during the Check Your Head era, working at McDonald's, and everyone would say that maybe the Beastie Boys are going to hit Pittsburgh, and they never did. The Beastie really? Boys, they never hit Pittsburgh on the Check Your Head tour. They even came back to Detroit that year for New Year's Eve, and so my friends and I, like eight of us, went and saw them on New Year's Eve. Soul Asylum, believe it or not, opened up for them. Really? Because they, Mike Dean, did Soul Asylum yeah, in an issue of Grand uh, Royal. Oh, uh, well aware. Yeah, Soul <laughs> Asylum opened up for them, and, uh, which was just weird. And then um, I remember that was the first time I ever saw Joe C. later of like Kid Rock fame. <laughs> so Ricky Powell, Ricky Powell walks Joe C. out, and Ricky Powell's like, I'm a substitute teacher in New York. This is one of my students, and Joe C.'s like, are there any bisexual <laughs> ladies here tonight or something? You know, whatever, something vulgar just to like get a rise out. But yeah, Beastie Boys New Year's Eve uh, brought in 1993 with them. Wow. See, I think you win today. But that's so weird, right? Like, why were they playing that show in Detroit at, like, that part of their, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just always been so weird to me, like, knowing what I know now about bands, like, that they would have done something a little bit more significant than, like, a strange show in Detroit with Soul Asylum. Because the, to the best of my knowledge, the Beastie Boys have only played Pittsburgh once. And that was Lollapalooza 94. And that wasn't even in Pittsburgh. It was 45 minutes outside of Pittsburgh in Burgettstown, where the amphitheater was. So I'm jealous. Well, Jim, you need to have an investigative episode of the Brouhaha where you get to the <laughs> bottom of that. Because that, that cannot be just dismissed as um, coincidence. Uh, there's something to that. Why did they hate Pittsburgh? That's... Exactly. Episode whatever you're on, that's the next one. Why Because I think Pittsburgh? one time I interviewed them, I brought that up, and they kind of didn't even answer the question. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know, maybe that'll be the next episode of the Brouhaha. But Brian, good catching up. Jim, thanks for having me. This was uh, a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm anxiously awaiting this book. Oh, can I tell you something? I, I've read it. What? Yes. I'm sworn to secrecy, though. That's fine. Good for you. You deserve <laughs> to have read it. Seriously, you deserve to. I, I, I mean that sincerely. Good, you, you deserve to have read it. And I can't, I can't say anything because okay. I don't... I, yeah, I can't say anything. But I have read it, and that's all I can say. And I wish I, <laughs> I, wish, I, wish I could say more, but I can't. Because those, those, no, no, no. those are the I roles. I respect that because, no, I respect that. And, and I want that to continue happening for people. Like, I want people to get those little nuggets in life. So, good for you. And believe They're it or not, believe it or not, it wasn't through the Beastie Boys. So, I'll, I'll leave it at that. This is a long con. Like, when they announced the publishing, you embedded a worm like into that, that publishing <laughs> house. So, at that point... Was an intern, right? Oh, you part time at MTV, <laughs> entering at the publishing house. You play the long slow con. <laughs> Seven years later, this person has matriculated into assistant director of publication and slipped you a copy. Well done, Jim. That's where you are. Where you are. Yes, looking for full time work. All right. Listen. <laughs>
Thank you so much. It was great to catch up with you. Yes. So for Brian Terry, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yins later. One, two, three, though. Are you ready? One, two, one, two, three. Ah! Get ready to bring the brew, ha ha. Get your brew, ha ha. Get your brew, ha ha. Get your brew, ha ha.